Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good afternoon. It's Sally Hughes here and Kate Sevilla. She's back. She's back. back from her deathbed. It was that was rough. Yeah, I'd like yeah. We don't need to go into details. She but was it, I was sad Ill. to miss it. Yeah, she was super ill last month. And for anyone who did listen last month, you'll know that without Kate's calming influence, we ended up all getting quite drunk for Christmas on air. <laughs> I'm sad I missed it. We slightly Aww. lost control of the situation without your calming, <laughs> soothing, responsible presence. Uh, that was obviously fashioned by David Bowie. And for a reason, we have quite a fashion-themed show today. Um, we are here mainly to talk about fast fashion. And I have two experts in the area. So Lauren Bravo is um, a journalist, a columnist, an author. And her latest book is called How to Break Up with Fast Fashion fashion and it's out now isn't it yes it is came out on thursday and we're going to talk more about what that means Mm. in a bit what you mean when you say fast fashion but we also have hannah rochelle otherwise known as on broke which is one of my favorite instagram feeds it's very good i was saying i was saying to kate um earlier we were just in veggie pret as we (laughs) do the glamour make it stop (laughs) uh we were just saying that that your blog and your your whole brand came along at exactly the right moment. It was such mm. a good idea at the right moment. And, and that was a pure fluke as well. Because you just liked wearing I, flat I shoes. I just happened to have <laughs> yeah, given, up, given up heels at exactly the time that, uh, well, probably about two years before the fashion world did. So. Yeah, you got in there at exactly yeah. the right time and made it a thing. It was so clever. And you had a good um, pun as well. Another good pun. That's good. Can't An be ombre. extraordinarily good <laughs> yeah. pun. Um, Hannah also uh, made a book from that feed. It's such a lovely little book. But also she specialises in writing about sustainability in fashion, which really feeds into this whole issue that Lauren has written about, fast fashion. Guys, tell us what that actually means to somebody outside of the fashion biz. Yeah, I mean, so it's tricky because there is no official definition for fast fashion. Um, Generally, I say that it's characterised by two things, um, low price and pace. So particularly speed is of the essence. So we're not talking spring, summer, autumn, winter. No, no. We're talking almost 52 seasons a year in some cases, um, clothes that can go from the uh, drawing board to the shop floor in about 10 days. I think that's what Zara's uh, on at the moment. And um, essentially clothes that are not made to last as well. So they are fast in their production, but they're also fast in the uh, way that they pass through our wardrobes and potentially end up in landfill. (laughs) Yeah, Often with the tags still on, frankly. Exactly. (laughs) Or or we get bored and then they end up in the bin. So Mm. um, that is what we mean by fast fashion. So it is generally... um, when you walk down the high street and you see, you know, Zara's, your H&M's, River Island's, Primark, Primark exactly. Um, but it is interesting because actually there are also problems with the sort of slightly more mid-range, slightly yeah. more expensive clothes as well. So fast fashion is quite a catch-all term, but, you know, there's a lot to say around that as well. And Hannah, here's, here's the rub. Are fast fashion 
movement in Britain is kind of the envy of the world. So that's difficult, right? Because whenever I go abroad, people are in awe of how high fashion our high street is. Abroad, when you buy cheaper clothes, whether it's an Old Navy or something mm. in, in America, they're not nearly as trend-focused. So you can't have something that looks like Chloe that isn't even in the Chloe no. shops yeah, yet. And but I, you can here. I think that's what makes... The, the whole conversation about slowing down our fashion quite difficult in this country because the high street has always been something traditionally that we've been very, very proud of. And, you know, certain high street brands get exported. They go across the Atlantic. They do very well. Um, so it's striking a balance between the pride in, in what we're good at doing and just, just slowing everything down because it's just too fast. So you talk about, I mean, the book is literally called How to Break Up with Fast Fashion. Mm. So can you tell us how you ended up there? Because it sounds as though you were once a huge fan. Yes, I was. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm an odd one, so I don't fit very neatly into either category. But I grew up wearing a lot of ch- clothes from charity shops, wore a lot of vintage in my kind of slightly pretentious teen years, early <laughs> 20s. Um, and then during the course of my 20s, found myself succumbing to the lure of the, uh, yeah, the high street and the online shops. So the convenience of ASOS, you know, I was constantly kind of scrolling. Any two minutes I had on the bus spare, I would be kind of hunting down a, a new outfit. Um, and... I did just get a little bit obsessed with it. And I, I got to the point where I realised I was spending every waking minute thinking <laughs> about shopping. I wasn't necessarily even buying that much. You know, that's the thing. Just Often the browsing. I, yeah, just that constant sort of pursuit of the next thing. I felt like I was on this kind of treadmill of trends trying to get to a horizon that never arrived. Because as soon as I'd bought something and I felt like, OK, now I'm done. The next week, of course, a new trend would come along or I would think, oh, actually, I need a new pair of shoes to go with that dress. And was sort of never ending. What was inspiring yeah. you? Like, would you see something on TV or like a girl's outfit on the bus? Yes, or yes. All of it, just everything was <laughs> like it. must have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, magazines, social media, particularly oh, in sure, more sure. recent years. Yeah. Um, yeah, seeing women in the street. I mean, it's one of my great pleasures in life is looking at other people's outfits. Mm. And, you know, I still love doing that. I have a little notes app on my phone where I'll jot down like great outfits that I see and kind Ooh. of take little style tips from other people. Um, Do you ever so, ask? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I can. I think yeah. it's really nice to be asked. Where you yeah, it's lovely from. to ask yeah. someone where their outfits are. I think so, yeah. yeah. Such a compliment. Yeah. So, I, yeah, all of that. I mean, I and just... And so what changed? Clothes. It sounds as though you had a moment of clarity. Yeah, I had a few moments. Um, I think turning 30, I know it's a massive cliche, but turning 30, there was something about uh, re-evaluating kind of what I was spending my time and money on. Mm. Um, and I just kind of lost the energy for it. Like, I was terrible for nipping to Oxford Street um, after work for you know a birthday present or I need to buy somebody a candle or whatever Mm -hmm. and then three hours later I would still be trudging between different branches of H&M like one more shop then I'll find that perfect thing. That sounds hideous. Yeah it was awful (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was terrible but I was just so beholden to it and I kind of Mm. felt like you know I know it sounds melodramatic but it's almost like perfection was always just one good outfit away you know sure. I was always just I felt a bit lacking I think mm. this is key mm. I, I think in this country in particular we are so well versed in trends and I think that's obviously easier to do in a small country like Britain I always feel in America people are not very trendy because it's kind no. of too big it's too big to spread and they're much more practical over there as well much Everyone's more practical like, much more kind of classic and, and, yeah. and, and yes. petty <laughs> Whereas British people are obsessed with trends and obviously particularly cities. Mm. 
you were in London, you were a journalist. I think it's very easy to get into the trap of thinking, I must have a thing, a new thing to wear to go to this thing in order to pass muster. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a really common psychological And I think glitch. the language that we use around it as well, and you was you just said the word must and you said the word need in regard yes. to some shoes. And I, I also have worked as a fashion journalist and uh, publications for years and we we were always I mean that's what worked that's what got the clicks online was must-haves 10 shoes mm. you need for the new season and I think part of it is is re-educating our our language around clothing so that we learn to love things again yeah, and to own so them and true. to keep them um but I as as part of the problem as part of the British fashion press I, I hold my hands up and say that you know we we fed the mod- monster I mean that's yeah. Just, I'm sure at some point everyone is. in this room everyone has, yeah. Yeah. has yeah. had to participate in that yeah. to some no, level. I also started yeah. as a fashion journalist. Yeah. And, and yeah, we've all done those pages where it's like, right. This is what you have to have. Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? Ten yeah. things you must buy this week. Yeah. Or yeah. The star yeah. barometer, yeah. the hot and not. Yeah. You know, things that are going oh, down. Yes. Yeah. When you see something you've got on the going down barometer, your heart plummets. And so <laughs> what happened for you personally? Did you just go cold turkey or did you try to be mm. more mindful? Was it a gradual process? Tell us what that looked like so I had been cutting down um the number of new clothes I was buying and I tended to buy a lot more in charity shops over the last maybe two years or so I started volunteering in a charity shop as well which is lovely um you know if anyone's ever considering it out there I really recommend it it's just such a really gorgeous way to spend a few hours a week and you know you get first dibs on the good stuff so um so gradually bit by bit I I was cutting down and then I got to the point where um I moved flat actually that was a big part of it so I moved flat I'd lived in the same place for five years and I was suddenly confronted with five years worth of shopping mistakes piles yeah the piles (laughs) like things that I had bought when I was PMSing or you know I was a bit anxious one day or even when I was happy and celebrating something and I kind of Mm -hmm. wanted to buy something to kind of crystallize that moment um and I was just confronted with piles of clothes that I had worn a few times and then got bored of or hadn't actually felt that good in didn't Mm -hmm. think they looked as good as I thought they did in the shop um rolled them into a ball shoved the tobacco drawer and all of this stuff was coming out at me and it you know there were lots of things that I was kind of that that forced me to think okay well why didn't I wear that mm-hmm. yeah but there were also things that I got out and I was like that's still nice you know I would I would wear that and the only reason I don't is because something else came along and sort of bumped it you down forgot the about it. Mm. I forgot I had it mm. so that was a big wake-up call um and that was November 2018 and then I decided to give myself a proper push um and first of January 2019 I stopped buying all new clothes or brand new clothes um yeah and that's it I don't think I'm going back Really? I don't think so. And what about you, Hannah? How do you live in terms of your fashion consumption? Similarly? Yeah, I haven't bought anything since May 25th, 26th, something like that. It wasn't a New Year's resolution. It just sort of arrived in my head when I woke up one morning. In, interestingly, so did giving up eating meat. I just woke up one morning and thought, right, I I'm not eating meat mm. anymore. On the same day? Or no, was this a, different, okay. a couple of years earlier. And then yeah. I woke up one morning and thought, no, this is... It's too much. I mean, it had been niggling for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, I've, I have a large wardrobe. I have plenty of clothes to choose from. I don't, I don't need anything. I know I'm coming mm. at this from a, from a position of privilege. Um, but I do have an Instagram account with a moderate amount of followers. And I felt like I could use it for something much better than saying, go out and buy a new pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I haven't bought anything, nothing at all. Not even underwear. Not even secondhand. Not even secondhand. Wow, yeah. Because what this is for me is to change my own personal relationship with clothes and with yeah. shopping. 
So, so it's not about scratching the itch, it's about dealing with the itch mm. at yes. source. Exactly. And I feel the same as you, I won't ever go back. No. I'll never go back. I already am thinking I've got a wedding coming up next year that I will probably treat myself to something new for, but I'm really researching where I'm getting it from and it will be from a lovely sustainable brand that I've been dying to support but yeah. haven't been allowing myself to buy anything from. And maybe a bra. And I honestly <laughs> yeah. can't think of anything else that I'll need to get next year that's brilliant so yeah can I, can I ask you do you feel um anxious about trends no that's really because that's no. something I do still struggle with I've sort of removed myself professionally from that right. so I don't write about trends anymore I don't work for um glossy magazines yeah anymore. I read about um, that which is very blog. helpful yeah. because it becomes all consuming it really when it's does. your job as well as something that you love yeah um but the reason I got into fashion in the first place was because I loved clothes and the same as you I used to do tons of vintage shopping yeah. and I keep clothes for decades I've got a pair of Converse that I had for my 13th birthday I still Aww. have them and I wanted to get back to that feeling of really loving something emotional it, investment yeah exactly yeah. exactly and I really I don't care about trends no anymore. that's really I yeah really don't I don't care about trends and I haven't for quite a long time, but I do think to a degree it's an age thing in that when yeah. you're in your 30s, which I'm not, uh, you're more likely to go to things where everybody looks quite kind of trendy. I tend not to engage in trends, but a, a big moment for me, and I, I really buy very little fast fashion. I mostly buy secondhand with a few kind of luxury bits. Um, but a big turning point for me was in my 30s when I did buy lots of that stuff. I remember thinking... Actually, if you see something and you like it, it can just be a pleasure to look at it and like it. You don't mm, actually yes. have to own it. It doesn't have yeah. to be on I say this in the book as well. The oh, difference between liking something and wanting it and needing it, we've lost that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's fine for me to see something on Netaporte or ASOS or on the high street and go, that's gorgeous, and just take a moment and think that's gorgeous. I don't actually have to own it. And very often those two things become really conflated. Mm, yeah. And I think by the time you're a bit older, you kind of know what suits you as well. Yeah. And actually most trends don't suit everybody. No. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm 42, so I'm a little bit older as well. Um, I'm only five foot three. Same. I've got boobs. Most trends don't work on me. And, yeah. and I, I, year after year, find myself coming back to the same yeah. kinds of styles. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just admitting that to yourself and accepting it is, is actually really powerful. That's a huge part of this. So I think one of the things is if your weight fluctuates. So for me, uh, earlier, like six months ago, I was like, ha none of my clothes fit anymore. Okay. And so I'll do this thing where I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to buy clothes that fit now. And I get rid of the old ones and I bring in some new ones. Or there'll be some pieces that will just can stretch with my body or mm. get small, you know. And I think that's the hard thing is if you, if you are changing size enough. Because the difference between a 12 and a 14 or even a 10 and a 14 is, mm. is quite a lot. Yeah. And I think that's one of the hard things about this is if, because uh, I'm just thinking about like the psychological aspects of this, because yeah. it's yeah. really at the heart of, um, uh, you know, makeup trends and um, eating and buying clothes is there's this whole combination of how we want to feel. Well, and also mm. who we want to be. Who we want I to be, I think very yeah. often when you're buying fast fashion, you're buying it for the woman you want to be rather than oh, the woman sure. you oh, actually so true. are. Yeah. I remember when I was very young, like in my early 20s, um, 
the whole kind of boho thing came in with Sienna Miller and all of that stuff. Like, there could not be a trend less suited to everything about me. My, pers <laughs> my personality, my figure, my life, literally everything. It's the last thing I should ever be wearing. And I remember thinking, oh, I'd love to be that kind of woman. But actually... It's fine to imagine that you're this kind of braless girl in a in a spaghetti strap vest. Mm, That's God. fine, but you're yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. And there's no, no point buying the garment because you won't no. look like that. Yeah. Anymore. And I love in your book, Lauren, you talk about that woman. Is, is oh that, yeah, it, that she, woman. Yeah. And I totally, I know who she is. She's great, and it's you know she she wears very minimalist clothes yeah hats, very an kind ankle of sock with a sandal exactly and she can sort of what do so I say something about she can casually rustle up three otolenghis while making small talk over her yeah. shoulder and she's uh like has a PhD but never talks about it or something yeah. like that yeah. and it's yeah I found that I think particularly as I got a bit older and I was maybe you know um things like H&M and Zara were losing their sheen a little bit the slightly more mid-range brands you know, kind of whistles and things like that mm. really started appealing more and I found that often I was dropping a lot more money than I could afford in shops like that on clothes that in theory were an investment buy I'm doing well, it grown up exactly. I'm a grown up now and I should be able yeah, to buy I'm yeah. going above Topshop I'm going to go get something from Hush exactly. because I'm I am now a grown up investing in it and I think that is a sound message the idea of investing in something that lasts a long time of course I'm on board with that but actually what was happening is I was just spending three times as much on clothes that I wore yep. just as little yep. <laughs> because I was still buying them for that woman that I wanted to be yeah. but wasn't Yeah, and I, I always yeah. think with clothes as well when I see something that I like I think well where would I wear that and would something I already own and love be chosen over it mm -hmm. if I don't like yeah. it more than the thing that fits that gap at yep. the moment, then there's no point in me buying it. Mm. And I, I quite disagree with the sort of investment purchases aesthetic, which mm. is, you know, a white shirt. Virtually no one looks good no. in a white shirt. I certainly no. don't look good in Only a white shirt. Only French women, I look, that's it. I look, <laughs> no. I look like a waitress. <laughs> I don't, I think if, you, if you're really mannish and kind of androgynous and lovely, then mm. you look amazing. Or even you have small tits or something. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone with like tits and you kind can't, of yeah. buttons. You can't. I, like I, don't, I do not own one. <laughs> Yeah. White shirt, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't suit me at all. And no. actually, I think an investment piece, well, for me anyway, is just the thing I absolutely love. And very often that's quite a mad thing. Yeah. But if I love it, I will wear it. So mm. last season, I only bought two significant purchases, I think. I bought a pair of Isabel Moran earrings, which were mental, and a Stella McCartney jumper, which was mental. Like this huge <laughs> oversized jumper with a Beatles thing on it. And I have worn them to death more yeah. than anything I've ever bought yeah. from the high street. Yeah. Because if you love it, it just makes you happy and you want to wear it. And I yeah. know that I've probably spent less money overall than lots of my friends who buy tons and tons exactly. of yeah. stuff. Because yeah. that is it's... the myth of fast fashion as well, is that obviously it, it is kind of democratising fashion to an extent that we can't ignore um, and absolutely making fashion more accessible to people with kind of lower budgets. But there is also that argument that actually people are being forced to buy clothes again and again and again because they're not lasting. Yeah. Or, you know, fashion turns its fickle cog and tells you, actually, that's done now. You, you know, everyone on TV is wearing something else. You need something exactly. else. Exactly. So yeah. people still end up spending now, more money. I mean, we'll explore, we'll explore the finances and the privilege inherent mm. in this debate when we come back after the next record. But... I do think if you have sort of one thing you love, I mean, the Stella McCartney jumper is just my example. Obviously, I don't think for one minute that people can just go out and buy a Stella McCartney, McCartney jumper. But whatever your level is, every time I now see a jumper that I like, I think, would I wear it instead of the Stella McCartney jumper? Mm. No, I yeah. wouldn't. And so I don't <laughs> need it. And actually, if you buy something you love, then that becomes your kind of benchmark. Yeah. 
against which all others are judged. But I do want to talk more about the finances because obviously what's cheap to us is is quite a lot of money to others or, Mm. you know, what's fast fashion is actually just clothing to others. Mm. So let's come back to that. All the songs today are fashion-related, so let's have some Madonna because I quite like her. That was Dress You Up by Madonna. All our songs today are fashion-related because we are talking fast fashion and how to slow it down. Um, Kate and I are both here, of course, and our guests are Lauren Bravo, who's written How to Break Up with Fast Fashion, and we also have Hannah Rochelle, a.k.a. On Brogue from Instagram, um, who specialises in fashion and sustainability. So we were talking before we went to the record about the kind of downsides of fast fashion, But to play devil's advocate, it's all very well us sitting here, living in London with our nice jobs, talking about down with this sort of thing. (laughs) But but actually, (laughs) 30 quid for a dress is not bugger all to lots of people. And that's their only way of buying clothes. And so how, how do you reconcile that? And what can people on a lower income who want to to maybe make changes how can they look at this issue Mm. so the first thing I'd always say is that um, I'm definitely not here to sort of wag a finger at anybody who can't afford anymore and is you know particularly people who are maybe trying to clothe their kids Mm. uh, on a budget Um, I yeah absolutely there are plenty of us who can make the change on their behalf you know I just don't think that um, the financial freedom by... to make a choice yeah exactly it's all a privilege and I'm so aware of that so I, I would definitely never kind of preach at anybody um, but I also think that you know I don't want to kind of make it out that sustainability is only a wealthy person's game because it certainly isn't and I yeah. have you know I'm in my overdraft constantly I haven't got loads of money and um, actually charity shops you know if we're talking second hand they are cheaper yeah so there are lots of things people can do it's always a balancing act. Like in the book, I say that it's a bit like that lateral thinking puzzle. We are trying to get a fox and a, a chicken and a bag of grain across the river. Because it's like with all of these things, as soon as you think you have a solution, somebody pops up and goes, oh, actually, that's problematic because of this. And yeah, it, there is no silver bullet. Like what works for one person won't work for the next. Um, but yeah, charity shops obviously are uh, you know, a great solution if you have them nearby, if you have the time to trawl through them. Obviously, not everybody does. Yeah. Um, Likewise, online, you can get some great secondhand stuff online. I mean, one of my kind of tips I would always give people if they're thinking about making a change to their shopping habits is try secondhand first. So you don't have to swear off buying new stuff. But if you just, before you buy any new item, go on eBay, go on Depop, just check, just see if you can get it secondhand. Like these trainers I'm wearing today, a pair of like supercars. Um, I needed some new trainers. My old ones were falling apart. I went on Depop, I found these, they'd been worn once. I paid half the price that I would have done new. Mm. And actually you can find a lot of that stuff. So even if secondhand, even if like vintage, vintage is not your game, just making those kind of differences, just thinking, hang on, before I buy something from the shop, could I borrow it off a friend? You know, things like weddings, like I would mm. like a world in which yeah. no one ever has to buy a fucking like pale pink blazer ever Honestly, again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we've got this stuff in our wardrobe, swap it, share it, pass it around clothes swapping events there are some really good ones of those um but yeah it is really tricky you know it is it's a hard one you don't want to make kind of sweeping generalizations about what everybody should do because 
everyone's got their own story. Yeah, and if it's yeah. if we're if we think about like the grand scheme of things, it being a balance for those who do have again the financial freedom to make choices um, with what they buy and how much time they can invest into making those choices. Mm. I think if more of us who do have that freedom make that choice. Then the people who literally, if you have five kids and you're on a minimum wage or whatever, and yeah. you need to just put clothes on their back and you don't have time to go down to your local Oxfam and see what they have and in exactly. their sizes. Um, if you don't have family around to do the whole hand-me-down things, because yeah. like that's how a lot of us grew up. Mm. Um, like if you, you need to go to Primark and buy your kids clothes, yeah. then go to Primark by and buy means. your kids clothes. This, is, this yeah. is precisely how I feel. We have this issue at beauty banks in another mm. way. So whenever we post about sanitary protection, for example, at beauty banks, we always get lots of well-meaning, <laughs> nice white women saying, <laughs> well, you shouldn't be asking for sanitary towels and tampons. You should be asking for moon cups and period pants. Mm. Hey. And I have to explain, I mean, there are lots of cultural reasons why <coughs> and lots of practical reasons why that's not possible. Lots of our clients don't even have hot running water uh, to wash reusable. But also, you're expecting people with the least, with the fewest choices to make the most responsible choice. And you're expecting everybody else to have the same freedom of choice that as a privileged person you have, and they simply don't. And I agree with Kate, if you're able to be more ethical, um, Mm. then I think it's a responsibility. But if it's more difficult for you, you just do what you can, yeah, right? Yeah, and exactly. Do your best. And there are other things you can do that don't involve yeah. buying or not Shopping, buying, yeah. such as so writing to the brands that you love to shop from or mm. have to shop yeah. from and asking them to do more or asking them to be more transparent. There's a figure in your book about how little per item. It's just mm. a matter of pence it would be to put on say a t-shirt to to mean that everybody who was involved in making that item and growing the cotton or whatever it was earns a living wage 24p so we can put pressure on on the let's face it the people who have the power Mm. to do the most which is yeah the brands and the people behind them um with with words um it does it it's not necessarily all about shopping or not shopping yeah because i think when people buy um even the very cheapest clothes on the high street they still deserve clothes that will last and will perform the function that they have you know been made to to do so yeah i think you know we can fight on behalf of other people as well and say well look even if people are still going to buy from h&m h&m should be Mm -hmm. delivering clothes that are made fairly and that last and they have more money than anyone yeah so they can make they have even more power to make more sustainable and ethical decisions they just aren't it's yeah. So it shouldn't, you know, the burden should not all be on the shoulders of the consumer at all. Especially it the really ones shouldn't. with like the least amount of yeah. money and choices. And yeah, it's difficult, though, isn't it? And again, I'm playing devil's advocate because I have my own thoughts on this, which may vary from what I'm saying. But there is incredible pressure. So on the, the high street is really struggling. We've seen many chains mm. close down, mm. many chains in trouble. Um, they're struggling to compete, stay open, keep people in employment, keep their doors open. And we have this insatiable desire slash need for cheap. We want things as low as they can be. And that applies to food, that applies to yeah. clothes, that applies to all consumer goods. We want things cheap, cheap, cheap. I had to buy a camera this week and it was £200 more expensive in John Lewis and Jessup's than I could get it online. Yep. And wow. I immediately thought, that's terrible because a lovely man in Jessup showed me the camera and now I have to make a 200 quid decision. Oh. Not many people are going to spend 200 quid to support 
a brand. Mm. No. That's just one example. But equally, if you're struggling to make ends meet or if you're just a normal person earning a normal salary and something is 30 quid instead of 38 quid, that's quite a big yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. difference. And For so sure. do we have to... I can't help thinking it's kind of a mindset change about what we're expecting from clothes. Yeah, I absolutely. And the relationship we have with them. You said that you, you've had to retrain that. Yeah, um, I think that we just, it, it, as you were saying, it's a pace thing. We're just mm. expecting new, new, new yeah. all the time and and just slowing everything down, taking a step back, taking a breather from all of that and just viewing things differently, not just fashion, everything. I mean, yeah. this is this had a knock-on effect on every my whole life, my bathroom products, my household products. Um, and often, once once you've made some small changes, they actually are cheaper in the long run if you can if you can make that change in the first place like a, a lot of things like simply using uh soap rather than shower gel so that you don't have your your plastic bottle mm. and it lasts longer and it's cheaper and you know it's just, that's a small example but often it's just about educating ourselves and making the changes that we can um and changing just changing our outlook it's that it's that statement which is so true and everyone I've interviewed or seen speak on the subject has effectively said the same thing in not so many words as you know if 90% of us do 10% better that's so much better than yes. 10% of us doing 90% better yeah. that everyone can just do a little thing second hand mm-hmm. is a real Rubicon that people have to cross I think <laughs> I never you mentioned kids clothes I never ever ever bought posh clothes for my kids ever because yeah. it's just mentalizing <laughs> as your kids are growing grow out of yeah. their clothes and they get chilled. mud all over them within <laughs> never, an hour yeah. I didn't even buy them new fast fashion clothes I bought everything on eBay so yeah. I would just type in you know, gap anorak three to six months or whatever, and and a hundred would pop up, mm-hmm. and I would get one for two quid or That's great. sometimes fifty yeah. p or so, you know, very mm. very very mm. little. But I think for lots of people, there is still a stigma attached with wearing secondhand clothes because it meant something quite different. Yes. I yeah. I wore tons of secondhand clothes as a child, and I hated yep. it. Yeah, yeah. My clothes yeah. were bought in jumble sales, and I absolutely hated it. I had we had a family friend who was about a year older than me and I got all of her hand-me-downs. Same. And I loved it. It was really oh, normal, oh, it wasn't was it, when so we were growing up? it was so exciting when the twice-yearly delivery would arrive with, you know, what would it have been? A, like a Mickey Mouse, one of those revertible sweaters. Mm. Oh, yeah, nice. And the sleeves up oh, with the little yeah. Mickeys. I remember she gave me one of those. And I it was remember those. Absolutely thrilling. And we, we, we hardly shopped for anything new for me yeah. because of this one family friend. And, yeah, she, she was great and it was so exciting and I loved it and I yeah never never begrudged getting new getting new clothes growing up for for me my sister was like a really like oh shit we get to go down to Mervyn's and get a new top (laughs) like it was like a big deal deal getting new shoes oh my god like yeah such a big deal so It's 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 odd the way that if you if that's the way you grew up, then to then be like obsessed with like ASOS or whatever is just kind of like remember. Well, this is a relatively new shirt. Yeah, it is. It's only the past twenty years really that fast Mm. fashion as we know it today has existed. Mm. So between two thousand and twenty sixteen, clothing production went up sixty percent. That's insane. And we are on target by twenty thirty for it to go up about another sixty percent. And yet people wear in that that first. 15 year period people started wearing their clothes half as much hmm. so the lifespan like of a garment photos? is that like a social yeah, media I is think that, that like is... a huge part of it like oh I was like there's a dress that I have in like my profile photo that I literally never wear yeah 
Like yeah. anyone is ever going to go, hey, is that what you're wearing in your Twitter? Oh my God. <laughs> no, it's yeah. like this big. Like it's so tiny. No one would ever I, know. And yet I, I see it exactly and I don't do it. As well. oh. I get that quite often. I've had quite a few comments because of the industry I work in. People are used to seeing somebody in a new thing every time. Mm. I've had quite a few comments where somebody's gone, oh, you're always wearing that scarf. I and love it. Like, like, I love that about your feed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that about your feed that you'll, you'll recognize a dress or a scarf. And it's like, yes, that's real. It is. Abnormal yeah. and irresponsible to be wearing a new fucking yeah. thing in every single yeah. image I've you become, see of somebody. Um, I've become a little bit obsessed. You're not the queen. <laughs> I've literally had that. Oh, you're always wearing that scarf. It's like, it was I've become obsessed this award season with this idea of um, how great it would be to see a female A-lister on the red carpet wearing the same dress at every award ceremony. Yeah. yeah. I yes. don't know when that will happen. I understand that stars are bound into all kinds of contracts with Some brands and sponsors. Some clever comedian will do it. And, but it would just, I mean, forget Joaquin Phoenix wearing the same tux. Like, oh, yes, fuck that's, off. All that's, tuxes you know, look the like, same. You can even tell. Exactly. Like, my boyfriend literally has one suit that he wears to work every day and if we go to a wedding, he just wears a different tie. Oh, I don't think men <laughs> like, can because who would know if they were wearing the same thing? Honestly, all looks it the all same. looks exactly. the same. Yeah. But imagine if like Scarlett Johansson or somebody decided to wear the same dress at every award ceremony. Mm. It would be so powerful. Yeah, I know she did some nasty Ronin, little styling come on, tricks to make yeah. it look slightly different Different hair, each different time. shoes, you know. Yeah. I would love that. Like also primetime TV presenters. I would absolutely love it if you saw like Tess yeah. and Claudia on Strictly wearing the same dress they wore last week. And I've mentioned this on Instagram and I had a slew of people going, oh, but those dresses are borrowed. They're not actually no, buying them. they're and not it's like, actually. The oh, they're not. The BBC dresses are bought. They don't. Oh, Okay. I didn't. Yeah. But either way, I was like, Next it's the message it sends. Because it a normal person doesn't have no, a PR. I, I know that when you no. present so. a BBC show, you get a clothing allowance and oh, it's quite small, okay. which is why quite often you will see um, Claudia in Whistles or French Connection or something. Yeah. Oh. So I would just love that. And I think, you know, I'm, de- I'm not singling out any presenters and saying that they should be, but I think if they did do that it'd, I think be, it'd be amazing yeah. well remember yeah. like, and it was Kate Middleton does that like every once in a while she's like bring out like I Re- wore this recycled. coat 18 yeah. months ago we were like oh, she's recycling the Jaeger coat <laughs> but like I love that she did it's that not, and it yeah. was like yeah. it's literally wearing your coat your coat being just, a human yeah. owning clothes I You're think it's person. immoral not to wear your clothes yeah. I think yeah. you know I love clothes. I have lots of clothes that I love and I feel it's my duty to wear them yeah. and enjoy yeah. them. A good time. Yeah. I'm exactly. quite a flamboyant yeah. dresser. And so it's very, very obvious when I rewear stuff in my Instagram Same. posts. Mm. And there's one particular dress that I bought shortly before my shopping ban from Monkey. I think I know the one, actually. Uh, I can very, it. very floral, bright. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And actually, one of my friends has got the same print in a skirt and another one's got it in a shirt. So nice. we could have a hilarious drinks one evening <laughs> where we all wear the same thing. But I make a point of wearing it a lot. Yeah. Just good. just to send that message across. But also it's a shirt dress, so I can wear it, you know, open, in lots open, of different yeah. ways. Exactly. Yeah, it's versatile. Yeah. But yeah, I think just you're right, it would be absolutely fantastic if people yeah. did that more. I think weather presenters do it a little bit. A little yeah. yeah. And I think news presenters probably do more than we maybe realise. Yeah. There um, was one woman you're not there really was an paying Irish, attention. Exactly. There was an Irish woman on BBC, she used to be on in the afternoons on Saturday, and every single week she would wear a black collared top it was like a layered black and white like 
collared shirt. And oh, yeah. I remember, and I remember thinking, you wear that every single Saturday, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. and you didn't like her any less. Did no, you? I always think it's a little bit like, um, you know, how when your friends come around, you will maybe get a bit obsessive about cleaning and tidying yeah. the house. Yeah, but if you go around to your friend's house and it's an absolute shit, pit, you don't notice. You like them more, if anything. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so You're like, oh, it's thank like God, you know, like, you oh, love me so much that you didn't cool. even have to make the effort. Yeah, I'm gonna undo the top button of my jeans exactly. now. Exactly, and, this is and yeah. it's the same with clothes. Like if I show up in the same dress I was wearing last week my friend is never going to be like god lauren how dare you if yeah. anything it just makes us all relax a little bit you know it's yeah. kind of an amnesty Normal. we need to like normalize just like not thinking we're all celebrities yeah fucking not yeah what Please. i would say about the second hand thing because i think well over half of my clothes i buy second hand because i tend to like quite posh things and so i'll buy them from somebody else yeah um you get the exact same feeling when a jiffy bag comes from eBay or Vestiaire or something. Yeah. You do get the same feeling mm. as if you got something from, you know, Selfridges yeah. or Net-A-Porter yeah. or whatever. You do get the same feeling. In fact, I get a better feeling because I know yeah. I've saved money exactly. and I know I it's have... A and I've enjoyed the hunt. Like, yeah. I really yeah, enjoy the, the chase. Yeah. yeah, and it's the same rush but a bit stronger, I think. And mm. I, th- I think mm. people think that you need the kind of shopping bag and to be swinging along the street with your very lovely purchase to get the buzz. But but no. you so don't. You don't. I bought a pair of um, uh, current Elliott jeans, my favourite jeans, a couple of months ago for £15. They were £250. And they came Damn. and they fitted me perfectly. And nice. it's like... I could shag myself. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so pleased yeah. with myself. Well done, But Sally. it took me weeks. It's, it's, it took me yeah. weeks. And actually, yeah. it's more gratifying oh, when they come. This is a thing that I personally want to get over. Like, I find eBay terrifying. I mean, I rarely like to even shop. But, like, I eBay, I'm like, what? If I, because I got outbid on a pair of boots one time like five years ago, oh, no. and I've like never recovered because I was oh my so god. fucking disappointed. Oh my god, step into my office. I pride myself oh on my it. God. I just need to get better at that. I need to get better at like, I'm like, okay, charity shops, like, what should I be looking for? Like, you mentioned, like, okay, you have this very loud floral dress, but you said that it's a shirt dress so that you can wear it different mm-hmm. ways. Like, there's things like that that would be so much more useful than being like, here's how to build a capsule wardrobe with your yeah. button-down whatever and your trousers and your chinos. <laughs> like, I don't need to know that. I need to know how to outbid people on eBay. Mm-hmm. I want to know, like, what to look for in charity shops. Like, what sort of things are repairable? What sort of things do you look out for? Like, pit stains that you're like, yeah. no, don't touch those. Like, yeah. so much. So being like being prepared to alter things is mm. a big thing. So I don't know how to sew. I'm, I think this yeah. is my problem. Well, this is it. So I'm never. I'm not telling everybody to go out and buy a sewing machine because let's be real. Like most people are not going to start making their own clothes <laughs> from scratch. If they I do, don't think anyone fantastic. wants that. For me, no. <laughs> I can't imagine the tempers I would lose it, trying to sew. I would be like the oh, opposite fingers, of Sound of Music. Yeah, but so I I take I tinker with so much stuff that I buy. Like last week I had a, an event for my my book launch, and the night before I was up hand like wonky hand sewing the hem of this dress that I'd bought in front of Netflix with the wrong colour thread <laughs> you know and it looked if you look at it close up it looks shitty but no one's going to look close so does loads hem. of fast fashion to your be guests didn't exactly. turn up to your book launch and go my no, I mean, no one is crawling around looking no. at him anyway. Um, even things with kind of tiny stains. A lot of my clothes have tiny stains, but no one notices. No. And I think there is, uh, you know, it is something about getting over that kind of idea that we all have to be pristine and box fresh mm. at all mm. times. Like clothes are allowed to be a little bit lived in. They're allowed to kind of look like you've had them for a while. Um, 
And also, yeah, if you have a bit of imagination, so if you can look at vintage clothes and think, okay, well, that maxi is a bit much, but if I just take it up or have it taken up at the dry cleaners, um, you know, a few inches, suddenly it looks like an on-trend midi, you know, take out the shoulder pads, even like tweak a neckline, that kind of stuff does help but it is a skill i'm not you know mm. i won't lie it does take a bit of practice and confidence yeah, and yeah. i know i think that's a hard thing yeah. with like boobs as well because there's just so yeah many i mean i hear that like, how is this like jumpsuits yeah like, oh, i used when i was in my teens and i bought a lot of vintage i specialized in buying things that were too big for me and then taking in everything but the boobs oh. yeah so i would kind of sew them to fit me and then yeah is that the but title of your next book everything <laughs> but the boobs <laughs> Just the tips. Um. <laughs> I find that the, the resale market, because of the nature of fast fashion and the phenomenon that you're talking about and the timescales we're talking about and the number of seasons, means that eBay or those sorts of sites are only about three weeks behind, frankly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything must Brand be so well-stocked as well with everyone making their New Year's resolutions. If there's and, a dress, um, say, in Topshop, that yeah. you love in three weeks there'll be loads of them yeah yeah on yeah. ebay and that are 10 pounds less expensive or 15 pounds exactly. less expensive and you you're saving them two. from being on landfill yeah, yeah. yeah. by two and then you can cut the bottom and then replace the back on that top shop dress because none of their fucking <laughs> <None of> their <laughs> dresses have backs yeah <laughs> the lack of back thing is literally a whole show for me just, yeah it's still uh, going. the lack like, of sleeves and the lack of back like yeah. my god i can't wear I tell you, I've got I've got a bralette, the only yeah. bralette I've ever bought that actually does the job of supporting my boobs, and okay. it has a, a, a kind of nice wide lacy back. That's quite good for backless things. Where is, is it, it from? from? It is. It I'm is wearing it. Oh, it's oh, the so one. I'm yep. Okay. I am I swear not, by them. but I normally would be. I yeah. need to go. The Costa Bella ones are good. Yes, mm. I have. Oh, a, three good of them. Yeah. They're expensive, but they they're do, good. They do. They do big knockered ones. Yeah, the M&S ones are DD plus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I need to. Do you have to dislocate your shoulder slightly to get it on? I get in and out of them differently. So I. I step, I step, step in. in. I step oh, I in. I think I can get it over and my ass. To get out, you just over, I'm going to put boots. a record on while we all look <laughs> at Hannah Rochelle's tits. <laughs> um, let's have some sugar babes because that's never wrong. <laughs> Red Dress by Sugar Babes. All our records today are fashion-related because we're talking fast fashion still uh, with Lauren Bravo, writer of How to Break Up with Fast Fashion, a new book which is out now, which is really, really smart. I don't think there's anything... I don't think there's anyone who couldn't take something from it, a change that they could make, um, a more responsible change that they could make. We also have Hannah Rochelle of On Brogue, who's also a specialist in fashion and sustainability. We're going to come back to this topic because I feel like we want some take-home practical Mm. tips. But let's... Let's leave it for a moment because my co-host Kate Sevilla may combust if we <laughs> if we don't just tap don't. her rage over the Oscars. Kate, <sighs> well, why are we all so angry? Particularly you, who particularly is quite frightening me, on the subject. Who is wearing a Greta Gerwig Girls on Tops t-shirt? Shout out to Girls on Tops. Um, I mean, the Oscars, I mean, it's no, I don't know why we're surprised, right? I don't know why people are surprised that there's hardly any people of color, that people like J-Lo were not nominated, although, anyway. Um, the Just the fact that Greta Gerwig was not nominated for Best Director for Little Women. Which is, is so just, brilliant. Which is yeah. just so good, so, so good. 
um, is just astonishing to me. I and I, I feel like like with fast fashion, just a little segue there. <laughs> the whole shebang around award season and award shows, we fundamentally know the people voting for this. They only care about certain stories, and those stories are the stories of men who tend to be white and straight, or wars. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just those kinds of two things that they care about. They don't care about the stories of women. Wars which are suddenly, for the purposes of film, fought by white straight men. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exclusively. Yeah. Exclusively And if anybody else gets in, they have to be living some kind of harrowing terrible time you know you yes. can't see kind of uplifting stories or stories of people kind of no yeah stories they have of to be there has to be a nazi probably be, somewhere yeah. in there um it's just I, I wish in a way that we could sort of like redo award season and for all of the press to just opt out for the people that are actually nominated to just not care because I feel like it's this huge cycle that is just kind of rewarding the wrong people for the wrong reasons mm. constantly, yeah. not kind of doing their duty of kind of uh, really celebrating the best in storytelling because mm. they are only focusing on a fraction of the people that are actually telling these stories. So. The way the Academy votes is every single person in the Academy, and that includes everyone who's ever been nominated Mm. um, for an Academy Award, obviously everybody who's ever won, various industry dignitaries, everyone votes for the category that relates to their job. So makeup artists vote for makeup, costume votes for costume, directors vote for directors. The only category that everyone in the Academy votes for is best picture, right? So Greta Gerwig has not been nominated by her peers, which I think is an even bigger kick in the nuts. Yeah. Because the people who didn't vote for her know what good direction looks like. They, they know how good a job she did. It's not like somebody who does a completely and is in a completely mm. unrelated field was having to make a judgment call about something yeah, the they sound don't really understand. Yeah. Yeah. And so the people who were nominated, uh, Martin Scorsese, Todd Phillips, Sam Mendes, Quentin Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino and Bong Joon-ho. Now, some of those were shoe in and, and they're all very deserving, but mm. I... Uh, although the Joker, I just hate I it. Mean, it's obviously no. But I think very few film fans could watch Little Women and think that was not worthy yeah. of a nomination Absolutely. for Best Director. It's, so it's well such directed. an extraordinary piece of work. Yeah. And also the issue I take with it is that it's nominated for Best Picture. Yes. I don't see how you can be nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> and Best Adapted and Screenplay. Not, and, not, and Best Adapted Screenplay, yeah. right. which as we all know is traditionally the consolation yeah. prize. Yeah. They're like, mm, sorry, Grana, you can have this. Adapted Screenplay is the one that they used to give um, Woody Allen, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon, Quentin Tarantino, mm. and so on. It's the kind of also-ran, tap-on-the-shoulder yeah. mm. kind of yeah. award. But how could it be considered to be one of the best pictures of the year and the person who wrote it, directed it, conceived of the whole thing Mm -hmm. not be given a nod? I just find that absolutely extraordinary. It is. Somebody tweeted me a brilliant fact uh, the night before last about this. If uh, Joaquin Phoenix wins Best Actor, it will mean that the character of the Joker has won more Oscars than women have won for direction. Wow. Oh, God. Uh, so bless someone taking the time to work that out. So violently just that vomit. one character, if Joaquin Phoenix wins, will have won more Oscars than all women for the craft oh, of direction. God. Uh, that, I mean, that makes me sick for numerous reasons. But 
it's just it's so tiring and i think the irony of it as well is that they talk about this in little women they talk yes. about i'm so sick of the fact yeah. that women aren't allowed to be artists and mm -hmm. to make a living and tell their from, own stories to tell their own stories yeah. um and i think that's it's just so ironic to me that you had this beautiful film that is equally about all different kinds of love but women that are really struggling uh with money and wanting yes. to figure out what they are going to do with their lives. And they are daunted by this prospect of having to marry a man in order to survive, yeah. basically. And They're they can't nothing, necessarily make a living. Yeah. Yes, not necessarily making a living off of uh, their art, mm. their craft, a thing that they are good at. Um, and then to have Greta to not be... Like, I don't care that much about the Oscars. I care about what it represents and to not have her in that category... Um, when the fucking Joker, like I will put my hands up and say, I've not seen it. I love the shit out of all Marvel films, all comic book shit. I will eat that up. I enjoyed the Witcher on Netflix, but for some reason with the Joker, I'm just like, I don't need to spend two and a half hours or three hours, whatever it is with well, this Well, the character. issue here, I, I think there's a, there's a lot to the Greta Gerwig thing because it's not just about Greta Gerwig and the fact she's a woman. It's the fact that that film is about women and it's a female mm. story yeah. and it's a certificate you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, children can go and see it. It's it's a family film. It's very politically a feminist film. Yes. There are lots of layers to so the perceived misogyny it. with this yeah. kind yeah. of Oscar snub. Mm. Yeah. I think it's very, very hard to just go, nah, it didn't make it. Because how often can you say that Sophia Coppola didn't win, Jane Campion has never won. Yeah. You know, there's so many female directors were expected mm -hmm. to win. Yeah. And didn't, I think Catherine Bigelow was the... Yeah, yeah. and that was a film one. about war. Yeah. Yes. The Hurt Locker, you yeah. know? So yeah. if, a if a woman directs a film about war, then maybe she's in with a shot. Yeah. yeah. But if she directs a film that is about women's interior lives, domestic lives, women supporting yeah. other women, Could where men creative. kind of take a backseat, yeah. then no. No chance. And Little Women is quite literally a little story. You yeah. know, it's, it, it mm. is, it, they're not just little women insofar as they're kind of in that funny stage between child and adult. Their lives are small. You yeah. know, the story is yeah. small. The things that happen to them are kind of small fry, but it was so beautifully done. Greta Gerwig was nominated before. For Lady and, Bird, yeah. So and Jordan Peele won. And I really love that film. But yes. It kind of feels like, well, you've had your nom. Yeah. <laughs> you've had your fun. What more do you want? Yeah. 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 Well, well done, indie chick. Well yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but as, as on a whole, that film has had, I think, five or six nominations. You have Frances six, Pugh. Um, oh, God, Jacqueline Duran, I think is her name. Duran, uh, the costume designer. Um, yeah. Shosha Ronan has had her fourth. Shosha Ronan is up for uh, Best Actress. Yeah. It's her third or fourth nomination. Um, I think Pew is up. Yeah, she's yeah. Yeah. supporting. Yeah, and she's so terrific. Oh, she wonderful. She's brilliant in it. Wonderful. Really, really yeah. fantastic. So, and as we said, Best Picture and, and Greta is has the uh, Consolation nomination for Best Adapted Screen Screenplay. Mm. Um, but yeah, it just it's just so frustrating. And on the, the BAFTAs whole. as well. I think oh, the BAFTAs. It's like the Oscars I'm prepared to kind of just overlook, but you normally yeah. expect the BAFTAs to maybe correct. Yes. You know, or at least yeah, represent yeah. kind of British tastes a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And so I was so disappointed. Yeah, they're like, you know, Fleabag has won a lot. So you, yeah. you all had your Phoebe Waller-Bridge exactly. yeah. moment. <laughs> you had your feminist That's moment. That's what you get. Yeah. We're going to focus Pipe on war down. and the Joker again, as per usual. Yeah. That's what You we had are. Olivia Coleman. Like, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. it. You're you done. You had the favorite in Fleabag. Yeah. Get over it. As my yeah. friend Lauren said about the Joker when she came out, it's the feel-bad movie of the season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, ah, it's 
dystopian nightmare so no. sort of bleak which Genius. i mean you know fair enough if you like the joker but i just i, I just cannot conceive that all of those films are materially better in mm. their direction mm. uh, than little women it's no. such an incredibly um, gorgeous film. If the Academy could see how hard I cried in that film, oh I'd like to think gosh. they would change their mind. Uh, uh, just I, full-on contorted, oh, horrible face just I had. Half the movie, I was just weeping steadily. I went yeah. to a 10-15 showing on my own. <gasps> I had the own. entire first row to myself, because I paid extra to have the sweet reclining seats at View Cinema. <laughs> and I, it was perfect, because then no one could see or hear me mm-hmm. crying just throughout the entire, like, the entire second half of the film, I think I was just crying nonstop. Yeah. And part of it was just from, uh, it's so rare, I think, to have a film just fill you with just this sort of, like, healing joy. Yeah. I think at one point when they were like, walking to go feed their poor neighbors on Christmas Day, which sounds horrible, but, like, they were, you know, the set was beautiful. It was snowing, and there were these beautiful, brightly colored um, dresses, and it was just joyful, and I just remember thinking, like, oh, God, this is just... It's just so nice. It's just so nice. Yes, the cinematography is beautiful. So the key thing that didn't happen is they didn't focus on their father fighting in the Civil War. I think then. Oh, then it would have been all right. Then it would have been a war. Could have been a war. So, you know, next time, Greta. (laughs) Bless. Bless. She She tried. Well, you're perming your fingernails or whatever it is girls do. Um. On the subject of misogyny, can I just segue seamlessly into Mexit? Because I don't think that there has been a bigger story in British newspapers for a good six months, possibly a year or two. So to recap, for the only person potentially in the world who hasn't heard this story, um, Harry and Meghan uh, made a statement, that is, of course, um, Harry and Meghan, the royals, made a statement uh, just after Christmas, what is it, about 10 days ago now, um, saying that they would take a step back from public royal life, that they would no longer essentially be main members of the royal Mm. family and that they would continue to support the Queen, but that they would split their time between North America, meaning Canada specifically, and the UK, and they would um, begin a charity and take ownership of their corner of things but not necessarily be part of the main main squad. Yeah. I have never known a reaction like it. It, it has is been incredible. absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. Are you blown away by it? Do you not care? Do you care a little bit, but nowhere near enough? What? I um I think I'm blown away at everybody else's response because <laughs> right. as soon as I heard the news, I went, "Well, that makes sense." Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Re- a reasonable person would just go, "Uh huh, uh huh." I mean, I felt like we knew this was coming. Yeah. Like they've Not always surprised. done things differently. They clearly have. They've made it quite clear from the beginning that they were out to shake things up slightly, do things a little bit differently, maybe move the monarchy into the 21st century. Um, and so far everyone I know has applauded them for it. Yeah, you know, yeah. we've loved it. We've loved all the kind of breaks with tradition and um. So I wasn't shocked at all. And also, when you look at the way that Meghan has been treated in the British press, why would she want to stay here? Yeah. 100%. Why would she? I mean, I cannot think of a single reason why she would. No. It's just been a kind of spin through hell. Everything is horrifying. When she I was, can't do anything. When we were researching this show, um, obviously there are lots of uh, things going around, lots of press cuttings and so on. <laughs> and the difference between how Catherine Middleton has mm. been treated and Meghan Markle, as they were then, 
um, have been treated is absolutely remarkable. There was one really direct comparison the day before yesterday where the papers had a photograph of Kate with her hand on her bump saying yeah. she lovingly nurtures caresses mm-hmm. her unborn baby. And then there was one of Megan doing the exact same thing, saying, oh, is this some um, Ponzi New Age thing where she's trying to, yeah, you know... Why is Megan always touching her belly? touching her belly? And the difference between how the two of them have been treated has been yeah. absolutely remarkable. I mean, yeah. I, for one, cannot work out what the main difference between them is. Very hard no, to it's tell. A it's a mystery. Did you see the one about the, uh, the flowers, the wedding flowers? So there was the same thing, a kind of direct comparison side by side of two different um, front pages. And one was um, Kate sticks with royal tradition by having Lily of the Valley in her wedding bouquet. And then the other one was um, Meghan could have endangered Princess Charlotte's life by having this toxic flower in her wedding bouquet. Same flower. Yeah, no, there's a really brilliant article by um, my ex-colleague from BuzzFeed, Ellie Hall, um, on BuzzFeed that shows... The exact, like, I think the whole article is just comparing all these different, I think it was like 20 different headlines that were like direct comparisons of from avocados to her touching her bump to the flowers. Um, It is just, it's disgusting to me that we have so many other things going on in this country at this moment. And well, it's uh, a convenient diversion for sure. Iran, what's that? Brexit? Never mind. Let's focus on that big clock and whether or not it's going to (laughs) bomb. Don't get me started on the big Ben thing. I literally can't talk about it. I literally can't talk about it. Yeah, so there's that thing. Uh, BB, we'll just call it that. And, uh, it makes me demented. And then this yeah. uh, abused, harassed couple who have decided to become financially independent to kind of break ties with a quite toxic environment and just to try to survive and to be mm. happy. I mean, Megan literally says in that brilliant um, ITV documentary that was released, I think, sometime yeah. before Christmas, mm. she says... You know, life isn't about just surviving. Yeah. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to go and thrive and to yeah. be happy. Well, um, and also to raise a family, right? And to yeah. family. protect. I, I, I feel like people just forget that Prince Harry's mother died right. after being hounded by the press. You cannot yeah. overstate that, I think, in this whole situation. He has a little boy. Mm-hmm. And he can see something playing out with his little boy's mother yeah. that he recognises all too well from his childhood. Yeah. And that cannot be overstated. The effect that must have on you must be huge. Absolutely. And when everybody's talking about him, you know, oh, well, he's got this duty to the country. I think, as India Knight pointed out on Twitter, and it was so on the money, was mm. that not enough for you? A 12-year-old following a coffin and he couldn't even hold his father's hand. Was that not enough duty for you? Yeah. That this motherless child at 12 had to walk all on his own like a very big boy along the mall behind his mother's coffin and what an absolutely traumatic public service that mm-hmm. was. How can we think that he still owes us something and he's being prissy? Yeah. My only my only gripe with the whole thing, and God knows, like it's just a gripe. I don't think they handled it particularly well. I think they no. obviously hadn't uh, crossed the T's and dotted the I's. Mm. They obviously 
it Should sounds have told the queen. I sounds as though did. they had asked the queen, yeah. and the queen had said, "Take a couple of months to think about it over yeah. Christmas," which they did. But then the headlines were such that they pushed the button without yeah. going yeah, back I to think her. I said yeah. something there behind was something the scenes. Leaked. It, yeah, it, it, and so yeah. she knew it was yeah, coming, yeah, for sure. but the palace wasn't able to manage it. Yeah, they and weren't she's prepared. ninety-three. I just think on a human yeah. level, that's not so good. Definitely. Yeah, I do. My but, my whole life theory with it is that I think that she knew. I think they absolutely spoke to her. I think that she knew. And I think that, by and large, if you've seen The Crown, um, (laughs) I don't think that she would be like, yeah, for sure, totally get it, on board with you guys. No. Um, There's just no way that that was going to happen. If you think about all of her children, fucking Prince Andrew, all of this stuff. There's so many instances. Diana. I think there are all of these instances where she could not go yes, you may just disappear and fuck off. No, what I'm hearing is that she said, okay, potentially, can you spend the break talking, thinking about this, working out how this would look? And then they abruptly pushed the button because it had become too much. And I understand why they did that. But I also understand why that's not great. It wasn't the most graceful. It's not great, but hey-ho, you know, life is messy. I'm sure everything will be fine. in a way, I think we should be grateful that they even decided to make that public declaration because they could have quietly moved to Canada and yeah. left everyone to kind of figure it out yeah. and just, you know, popped back up for royal weddings and sort of Christmas. And, and I think even then, most of us know, would have been like, well, well that's enough. it. I think yeah. most people, had we not had it brought to our attentions, would have gone, oh, Meg and Harry have been a bit quiet recently. Yeah. I don't think it necessarily even needed to be this enormous Well, that's story. the thing is that it's not about us. It's, no. it's about it's about the press. Because while normal people would go, oh, I haven't really seen them, seen them in a while. Yeah. That's different. Mm. The Sun and the Express right. and the Mail would be like, where are they? The feuds yeah. behind the, you know, everyone, like they would have just come up with Spinning all of these content different theories. But the frightening thing is yeah. about the press coverage is if you read some of the more benign articles about Kate and Meghan, mm-hmm. ab- about their fashion and that kind of thing, and you read the comment sections, that's, that's what really frightens me, yeah. is that it's basically the same article about a similar girl wearing a similar outfit and you'll find Do you know positive what, ones about Kate. And you're absolutely about right. But what I would say about that is that, yes, it's the same story, but they're also the same commenters. Mm. Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. what's been so fascinating to me about the Megan story yeah. is that when I go into, say, branding av- agencies, advertising agencies, or go into brands, whether to consult or to present or whatever, and I see the data... The press has got it wrong yeah. because the public really like they her. They do. This yes. is what baffles me. She's so interesting owls, like... because it's one of those rare things where the press has completely misjudged the public opinion. They yeah. have judged it based on the opinion of those sorts those of people. Mm-hmm. Very kind yeah. of have that much right, time in their lives. The, the kind of dude who donates yeah. to the bong of Big Ben on yeah. Brexit <laughs> Day, right? The same dude essentially. <laughs> but Just actually, that one guy. <laughs> young people overwhelmingly. Um, so when the surveys are done, and I've seen the data, the most popular members of the royal family in this country, when you ask members of the public, the Queen number one, Harry and Meghan as a pair, number two. Mm. In young people, Harry and Meghan number one. Yeah. yeah. And so the press has completely got it wrong and has played to that so audience, that, that of, audience uh, exactly. of those commenters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in fact, they've misjudged it. And it, it feels to me like a really missed opportunity yeah. because they could have had copy and sales for many years to come if they had just got the public opinion right yes. yes. celebrated them. And yeah. also, if those titles want to kind of, uh, you know, keep the monarchy going, then 
you're right, that would have been a much better move is to really celebrate Meghan and Harry and everything they do and kind of get public opinion behind them. But yeah, I would it have been so it? difficult just to... I mean, it goes against completely everything that they stand for, I guess. Yeah. But, like, imagine just being like, yes, there's this lovely couple, and here they... Oh, how nice, yeah. they're going for a family day quite, out. Well, they, oh, did that. they did that with William and Kate. Yes, that's Absolutely. all they had to do. All they have you to know. do is hold the kid's hand, and suddenly they're the best parents in the world, and aren't they normal, and yeah. well done them. It's just the complete <laughs> I mean, lack of uh, showing that they can evolve, and a lack of humanity... Yeah. Um, it's just it's just disgusting. As journalists, we all know that there are some uh, celebrities, TV stars, film stars, or whatever, who are pretty badly behaved in real life, mm, whether it's uh, drugs or sex or whatever, and we know that the papers have had to make a judgment call not to report on those things because that figure is popular and it mm-hmm. will just bite them in the bottom. Yeah. So, um, it's a belief that you know the papers really want to kind of dredge all the horrible stuff about everyone that's actually not true lots of stories are sat on because Mm. on balance it's felt well actually the readership loves this person and this will go against us and on this occasion they didn't get that right they made the wrong they made the wrong judgement and chose to kind of invent these stories there was one piece the the real kind of uh, moment for me where I was like this is just bollocks was before the wedding she had um, her hair or bachelorette whatever you guys call it. (laughs) (laughs) A bachelorette party. (laughs) And there was a headline about how Megan had gluten-free macarons at her <laughs> at her hen and you know normal macarons aren't good enough normal food isn't good enough for it. she had to have gluten-free macarons there is no gluten in macarons it's no, almond, it's almond. <laughs> <laughs> there is no flour in macarons it's just ground almonds and sugar nice. and some oh, coloring so like saying vegan avocado toast isn't it yeah. yeah but there's nothing there's nothing she could do that wasn't yeah. twisted around. Mm. And no. So how can anybody be surprised? Ju- yeah, I mean, yeah. they just couldn't win. It wouldn't matter what they did. Yeah. So good on them. Yeah, I good think. on yeah. them. And it's like, yeah, what were you going to do? Spend spend your entire life uh, being hounded by... Uh, yeah. That's not that's not a life. And yes, I realise that they have immense privilege. And yes, they live in palaces. And I don't know, yeah, I get it. They're royals. But like, they're still human beings. They're still people. They are a young couple with a child. And they deserve to be able to live without that constant... Uh, I can't even imagine the amount of stress well, no. that they must And he's are. still a grown-up little boy whose mother was killed exactly. in a high-speed chase with paparazzi. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still yeah. that kid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. There was a video of Harry as a child getting, like... I think Diana was taking him on a school run, and he's, like, sticking his tongue out at the paparazzi. And yeah. they were like, isn't this adorable? And I was like, mm-hmm. But, like, can we just, real quick, (laughs) when he was a baby, he was dealing with this and sticking his tongue out. He's been hounded his entire life. And they are born into this. He was born into this. And his mother was taken away from him. Also, that sticking out, the tongue picture, is probably the most joyful he ever looked until he met his wife. He looked utterly unhappy for decades. And what else did we want from him? Party boy. We wanted him to settle down, find a nice wife. He did that. You know, he gave the public kind of what people wanted. Yeah, Yeah. I know. I think that's the thing, too, is that she is, I think, has been so good for him. And I think she's probably just offered him this different perspective and a, hey, babe. You don't have to do it. Well, I think again, I'm quoting India again, but I thought I felt like India had read my mind and expressed it more eloquently. And she said, "You know, he 
he felt lost and he met a woman yes. who made him feel found. Yes. Yeah, and she lovely. said, hey, we could live differently. Yep. No, and I remember that said, tweet. Okay. Yes. And, and actually, I think that is basically yeah, it. You know, I sure. think he was broken and he met a girl who made him feel unbroken. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, well, we could just do this instead. And also, what were we expecting otherwise? Did we think they were going to be opening our local supermarkets and things? I mean, like, <laughs> well, so he's not directly, waiting for Meghan and Harry's turn up and do their duty. He's not directly in line to the throne, no. well, exactly. but many removed. Yeah, yeah and, and Zara, Zara gets to kind of live pretty much yeah. as she chooses. Well, Her he brother, really... whose name I can't even remember right now. So yeah. just because Harry happens to be the son of the heir you know it's like yeah. automatically his life has to look so much different he did so her a fair. favor as well making that announcement because oh, he yeah. like, she points on her license and all of a sudden it was like and that's just completely buried over here yeah, yeah. I, I just think when when a 12 year old boy has allowed himself to be watched by billions of people as he walks behind his mother's coffin not being able to touch his own father I think at that point the debt is is paid I just don't think you have anything that you can expect thereafter such a a kind of pivotal defining moment in his life let's go back to some uh, fashion songs um I remembered this song yesterday and it made me think of getting ready to go to school discos but only (laughs) Hannah will know basically because you two are millennials (laughs) Let's put on some Jermaine Stewart. I think Hannah will know it. Jermaine Stewart, we don't have to take our clothes off. Did anyone, has anyone heard that since, I don't know, Beverly Hills 90210 was still on? I haven't heard that in a really long time. Also, I remember thinking at school, cherry wine, not a thing, not a thing. No. I don't know what that is. I reckon it would be nice, though, if it did exist. I mean, cherry, cherry beer, beer is good. Then regret. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it sounds like Ooh, the kind of thing you would get drunk on at really 14. Sick. Exactly, be Dusted sick all off night. the back yeah. of your parents' cocktail Just have, like, cabinet. bright red vomit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So one of the pieces of homework that Kate Sevier and I gave gave our two guests, Lauren Bravo and, Har- <laughs> and Hannah Rochelle, um, prior to today's show, has changed Hannah Rochelle, a.k.a. on Brogue's life. Oh, has it not? It Tell has. us what homework we gave you. Uh, the Masked Singer, which <laughs> I wasn't aware of, uh, and then have managed to binge watch. Now you've binge watched, are you any the wiser? Yes. So, shall I explain? Yes, do. So, it's a show on ITV where celebrities wear incredibly elaborate costumes come on stage sing do a performance and then the audience has to vote on which one they like the best but in addition to that there's a panel who judge a who they might be a panel of celebs so davina rita aura Ken from various The Hangover knocked up mm. those community and Jonathan yeah. Ross community and Jonathan yeah. Ross and I think I'm right in saying Jonathan Ross is behind the show yeah mm. he brought it over from well done Jonathan yeah and then at the end they decide who was the least good performer and then that person has to unmask themselves at the end. <laughs> and when we say mask, we're not talking about a kind of scream mask or a, a masquerade ball mask, are no. we? We're talking about a sort of really trippy, massive polystyrene. Yeah. It's like going to Jeez the best nightmares. festival ever. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. just amazing, the costumes. And they, they stay in character from show to show. So there's a unicorn who is amazing and trots on and off stage. <laughs> uh, an, an octopus, a duck. Ooh, the fox. 
the fox. Very foxy. Yeah. yeah. And they uh, disguise the voices as well. Yeah. So when, when they're you speaking. hear them talk, you yeah. can't yes. kind of identify that. So it's that. kind of vocoderized. Yeah. yeah. Terrifying. So they sing in, in their own, own voice, way. but they speak in a, in a it's code. Yeah. Just. It's. Do you know, it reminds me of one of those shows, you know, when you go on holiday and you put on the TV and you're like, what weird, like, foreign (laughs) TV programs can I watch late at night in a hotel? Um, It's like something you would stumble across and then just watch for hours completely engrossed. And I wasn't expecting it it to have that effect. I hadn't thought about watching it. I hadn't really, I'd I'd seen the odd tweet, but thought, oh, that's not for me. I'm not going to watch it. And it's just so watchable and, and addictive so and, and you're silly. playing along trying to guess who it oh, might yeah, be. Oh yeah, you become very yeah. invested. You're like, who is really Tree? Invested. Who is Duck? I must know. Kind of attracted to Fox. Yes. Whatever. It's, got a it's certain completely aura. trippy and weird and confusing and surreal. But I find it very charming. Yes. And I, I was thinking about it on the weekend when we were watching it and I was thinking, actually, I think what is charming me about it is that there's no cruelty in it at yes. all. So nobody's having their life ruined. Nobody is being criticised, having been told by 10 producers that they were brilliant so they could make a fool of themselves in exactly. front of the panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, it's not ironic. Like, yeah. it's, no. it's not, it doesn't come <laughs> through Alan this Johnson, kind of... just having a lovely sing. <laughs> yeah. So it's not... Yeah, Lauren's referring to the um, former MP, Alan Johnson, who got knocked out the week before last... It was extraordinary scenes. It was kind of up there with Ed Balls on uh, Strictly. It was a very strange uh, moment. <laughs> but actually, it's not. it doesn't come through this kind of smokescreen of irony the way so much fun telly does yeah. now, mm. where there's a slightly sneery yeah. knowing. We know there's no yeah. snarky voice over. It almost, over. Um, almost hits the same kind of nerve in a very different way as Bake Off. You know, it's the same thing we say about Bake Given, Off. It's yeah. so nice to watch people just doing something mm. that they enjoy, they're passionate about. It's not their profession. They're not necessarily doing a hungry fame uh, fame grab. They're not sort of trying to relaunch a career necessarily. I guess some people maybe are. But yeah, it's refreshing. And what they're all saying is that because they're wearing a mask, they feel like they can perform in a way that they wouldn't be able to if it was some kind of celebrities doing yeah. a talent show and unlike every other yes and like unlike every other singing competition you don't have the sob story no. beforehand no they just no. do like a fun vt where they're trying to give you clues as to who they are and then they get on stage and they do their thing and everyone it's just silly and fun yeah. and it just feels like such a relief no one has to i think after like out. the election and everything else that's been going on like it's just nice to have also, like an say, hour of silliness at, you look at davina mccall say or Jonathan Ross, and they are so enjoying their time. Davina so cries like, like every episode. Davina is as far from phoning it in as oh, is yeah. possible. Yes. She's, She's in so it. into it. <laughs> She's she absolutely so it. loves it. Yeah. The one thing about the judging panel, though, that makes me hysterical is how lofty their guesses are. <laughs> oh my! So, oh my god! What do you think the budget for the show is, guys? <laughs> I know. <laughs> So this weekend, somebody guessed Chrissy Teigen. I think somebody I else just... says Ariana Grande. And um, who else? Margot Robbie. Margot <laughs> <laughs> Robbie! And well, it's like, always Rita Ora guessing. Tina Malone like... from Brookside. Yeah. Or like, it's, we're really not no. at that level, and that's fine. No. <laughs> um, and also, Ken, when he goes, 
And he, he stands up and goes, I know exactly who this is. And then he just makes like a totally dumb guess. <laughs> but but Paul is from America and has no idea who any of these contestants <laughs> yeah, I know. Be. Although I feel That's like his pop culture knowledge, he like must have done a lot of studying. I think he's researched Because some of the yeah. stuff, well, I'm like, I don't even know who that is. Yeah. yeah. But it's just, it's just so delightful. But Rita Ora's guesses... I was saying uh, during the, the record break, I was like, there's a tweet. I forget. I wish I knew who made this tweet. But they were saying that Rita Ora, they, they, the person could be taking off their mask. She could see who it was and she would still be like, is it our <laughs> Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Because that's like the level of how bad her guesses are. They, Bless her. They really Bless are her. But they're just Also, yeah. when Davina thought that someone was Mel C, I was like, have you ever listened to a Spice Girl Oh, I know. Song? I was that slightly offended by that. Yeah. Thank you. I was the very angry was about completely that. Wrong completely wrong for Mel C. Wrong. Yeah. Completely Mel C. wrong. Mel C has one of the most distinctive pop songs. She really does. And her, yeah. it, it, also, she's doing great. She's yeah, not on she this program in a mask. She doesn't need to do this show yeah it is no it's that kind of journey through the kind of misty depths of british celebrity as well that i'm really enjoying just yeah. trying to remember people yeah who might be up for going on a show like this yeah. in its own way it's got the same energy i think as celebrity stars in their eyes and i really miss that like i used to love did you ever watch oh, those no. eyes? That? maybe that was before you moved yeah. stars in their eyes if it's pre harry hillis morrissey was a great oh one. so good and um janice battersby off corrie is bjork doing um oh so quiet yeah, yeah. i'll never forget it. I'll no, show you some clips in, in the okay. orange dress. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am hooked. I think it's such a great kind of idea. I feel like it's definitely going to come back. I haven't seen something kind of capture the public imagination in such a universal way. You've got kind of hipsters yeah. and, and parents and teenagers. News journalists. <laughs> my, my kids think it's really funny. There's so few programs we can watch together as a yeah. family. Mm. So few. <clears throat> I mean, it's getting better as they get older, but Bake Off is essentially it. The rest of the time, they binge on Netflix and yeah. we binge on our own stuff on Netflix. There's very little that's on the TV, but I think we're all united in what the fuck about yeah. it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we're just kind of glued to the telly. Yeah, it's just kind of pure. It's kind of wholesome. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, that. we do. And, and not like in a conservative sort of, oh, we need things that are wholesome, but more so like, we just need a relief. Like everything is so tough and so serious um, and or really violent. And like, I love like the Punisher, but like, I also appreciate it when something isn't, you know, exploding yeah. or having blood and guts. This everywhere. is the reason I've watched The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel twice in like two right. months. I've I just... haven't watched season two yet. Oh my God, it's so good. It I good? love it. Oh, season three, isn't it? Season three. Oh, three. Yes, I... I've not seen three. I got to the end of season three and then just immediately went back to the beginning and started all over again. Oh. Well, and why not? Oh, it's And joy. why not? That's like a Schitt's Creek and The Good Place. Yes. I think I wrote about this. Like, it, oh, yeah, there are I so many like like nice yeah. shows that mm. aren't lofty, that aren't super intellectual, but, but they are very clever and well and smart and, and light and fun and but are still like emotional. Like we need more of it's that. It's so sort of funny stuff. because those three shows, Mrs. Maisel, The Good Place, and Schitt's Creek, I could not get on with any of them. Oh, and it's right. and it's so funny because what you're saying is true. But I think I have an allergy to those cartoonish sitcoms. I can't cope with the cartoonishness Shits of Creek. How much right. Shits Creek did you watch? Uh, a couple. Oh, it's okay. couple. It get gets, into it. The character development, I, feel, I, I don't like sitcoms. I'm with you on that. Oh, I love sitcoms, but, but I don't I, like I don't. that kind of but I like Shits Creek. cartoonish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also hate Kimmy Schmidt as well. I just can't Oh, I it. didn't really like Kimmy um, Schmidt. Yeah. I, I don't like those kind of daffy female 
characters so much. Yeah, but I feel me. like I'm if you were, yeah, it's yeah. um. I mean, David Shits is Creek. the star. Of oh, Shits David! Creek. Like, oh my god, I have I was, such a crush on oh David. My god, oh. I wasn't really getting it until about five episodes in, and then suddenly it I takes fell a while. And then yes. you're just besotted. You would do yes. anything for David. Yeah, <laughs> no, I still will. Dan, if you're listening to this, when I'll we do anything When we you. come back from this record, I want to talk New Year's resolutions and specifically um, off the back of Lauren Bravo's great book, How to Break Up with Fast Fashion, which is out now, what we can do to have more sustainable shopping habits. Um, but any New Year's resolution, I think, is worthy of discussion because we've all got a few, I'm sure. <laughs> She's in fashion by suede. We've been talking fashion, specifically fast fashion, um, most of the afternoon with Lauren Bravo, writer of How to Break Up with Fast Fashion, and Hannah Rochelle, um, a journalist specialising in sustainability and fashion, also known as Ombrogue, which remains our favourite nom de plume, doesn't it, on Instagram? It's very strong. (laughs) It's about um, a love of flat shoes, essentially. It is. Yeah. You do love a flatty, don't you? I don't own any heels. (laughs) Flatty. Love a flatty. Were you once a heel wearer? Um... I've never really loved them. Uh, I felt like I ought to wear them when I became mm. a grown-up, but mm. I never mastered... And working in fashion, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, never mastered walking in them, never really mastered styling them because that's just they're just not my style. So, yeah, don't have any anymore. Best thing I ever did. You've helped me liberate myself as well. Oh, I, that's nice. Yeah, I only wear them very occasionally for evening things now. Yeah. And I think, yeah, seeing your lovely feed has definitely Aww. been a part of that journey. I am... Um, I love heels and I own lots of heels. However, I wear them less than ever because I do feel as you get older, flats just feel a bit more youthful. Yeah. I just feel there's something a bit fun and scampery yeah. about them. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I do. I absolutely know what you mean. Yeah. I sort and of I feel a bit like a landlady in heels in the day sometimes. <laughs> not, not there's anything wrong with being a landlady, frankly, goals, but I'm not a landlady and so it doesn't really suit my life of kind of dashing around. I do still wear heels, but I wouldn't wear like mega heels anymore. No, and what's lovely now is that we have choice because there are so many more really great flat shoes Mm. to choose from so the, the designs are much better they're much better Such made they're, flat they're much now. more comfortable we've yeah. got more ideas of how to wear them so mm. you know if you love a heel wear a heel if you don't don't but you don't feel like you have to be boxed into a yes at one yeah. point in order to be fashionable and stylish you basically had to wear or heels. smart you felt yeah. like all clothes yeah. kind or of smart yeah. Bradshaw fitting animation. into a dress code you yes. couldn't go to a wedding or to anything posh could you in flat no. shoes at no. one time whereas now it's not a thing in any no. way no, even well. if your husband does mistake you for a child when you're a bridesmaid coming down the aisle, as mine oh, did. No. Well, the other two <laughs> bridesmaids were about girl. six foot and they wore heels and I, yeah, not not very tall, wore flats. And he thought, who's the child bride? <laughs> oh, yeah. it's my wife. Just but who was, comfortable, <laughs> who was comfortable at the end of the night who wasn't crying two hours into the wedding? Wasn't That's stepping nice. on broken glass on the yeah. dance floor. Or like wearing yeah. those horrible flip-flops that come in a bucket that everybody <laughs> has to put. I mean, yeah. no. no. <laughs> so when did you get rid of heels when did you kick off your stilettos it was about uh, nine ten years ago 
And so yeah. the fast fashion quitting came later. Yes, that was May, just gone. And you feel you're now in it for the long haul. Yeah, I do. And Lauren, yeah. do you feel that something has just changed, that something has mm. altered in your... I do, definitely. I mean, I have to say there's no, there's no better way of making yourself stick to a resolution than writing a book about it. Um, <laughs> can't go back yes. now, even if I wanted to. Um, but it's I a good do. way of doing if you things. Get seen I wrote, in a, I wrote a column about becoming a vegetarian just because I wanted to just seal the deal exactly. a few years ago yeah. and I haven't eaten meat since. People no, I sometimes have nightmares yeah. that I've accidentally worn heels out and someone <laughs> spotted me, which is impossible because I don't the have brand. any. I had, to, I had to go to Westfield. <laughs> I'm done for. I was Instagram wearing I'm ruined. Circle of shame. Yeah. No, that's literally. I want I like a tap shot you. of Lauren in the top shop. Or I H&M. had to go to Westfield last week to get something because it is like my nearest John Lewis or something. And, and sure, I was sure. genuinely slightly. I mean, no one knows who I am, you know. But I did have this proper feeling of like, oh yeah. God, what if anybody what if knows what yeah. I'm spotted? Um, but yeah, no, seriously, I don't. I don't think I'll ever go back. Like I've I've changed the rules slightly this year, so I am now allowed to buy. Um, the occasional new item from a small independent sustainable brand mm-hmm. if I want to. I haven't yet, actually. Um, but there are some really great sustainable brands out there that I want to support. So I'm not Are there sure. affordable ones? There are. I mean, I get asked this all the time. And it is true, certainly, that overall sustainable brands do cost more a lot of the yeah, time. You're paying, you're paying for for exactly. exactly. Yeah. You are paying for, you know, good fabric that you know has been grown farmers are not suffering for it the very often you're paying for something for to be made here where yeah. it's going to cost mm-hmm. more money yeah. mm-hmm. exactly um but actually there are some brilliant brands that really don't cost that much more at all um birdsong london is one of my very faves they mm. um are fantastic they work with groups of uh, mostly groups of migrant women and groups of elderly women um in and around london and they uh you know embroider things and screen print lovely t-shirts and knit and um everyone's paid a really fair living wage and their clothes are gorgeous and they're not that expensive like you are maybe paying it's less than whistles you know it's Mm. maybe slightly more than your zara's and top shops Mm. but it's certainly not ridiculous um Mm. and their t-shirts are about 30 pounds or something so they're lovely um there are lots of brilliant people making clothes from like dead stock fabric as well so that is another option because i think i don't know how you feel hannah but i often found I often find that sustainable brands tend to cater for one aesthetic. I agree, mm-hmm. yes. And it is often a very um, utilitarian, very chic, minimalist. very minimalist, very There sort are of a lot of dungarees and jumpsuits oh, available so many, in And I have bought so many of them and I look like shit in them. Yeah, and, and they're brilliant, but they're not necessarily my thing. And I think yeah. there is still a big gap in the market for sustainable brands that also do kind of fun, glamorous, yeah. camp kind of ostentatious, like big floral prints and frills and ruffles. And they're getting better. Like there are more. Yeah. I yeah. feel it's a very minimalist look mm. for sure. There's yeah. lots of kind of trapeze hems and, yeah. and asymmetric things. No, I don't work in a yoga studio, yeah. so yeah. why do I need to look like I work in a yoga studio totally. or like? I yeah, don't know. but there are new brands popping up all the time, yeah. and it's only going to get better, I think, choice-wise and mm. price-wise. And so we're, we're coming. Well, we're at the midway point of January. Um, in the first minute on the first day of the January sales, £8.8 million spent per minute, um, either online or in bricks and mortar shops. So let's assume Aye. that um, a great number of people have bought a lot mm. at the beginning of this year. 
I'm bad with sales. I can't cope with the stress. No. And I always think if I if I wouldn't want it full price, I don't want it. So so I tend not to shop much in the sales. But sales are really important for people in terms of saving money, stocking up on what they need for the year. But it may be that now people have buyer's remorse. They've bought lots of stuff. They spent more money than they ordinarily would. So can we talk about ways going forward that people can make a change Uh, that doesn't mean being all or nothing what are the little things that we can do we mentioned buying second hand we mentioned looking at more sustainable brands um how can they put that change of relationship with fashion into practice the the thing that i did just before i gave up shopping was i had a huge wardrobe clear out and sort so i i found things that perhaps had been lurking at the back i was able to figure out what was working for me and I, I wore a lot and what wasn't. And I think that that's a really helpful place to start so that you can you can even do things like catalogue your wardrobe and work out how many times you've worn each item, which there are apps to do are that. Are there? Yeah, mm. I've just got a ridiculous clothes memory but um, and, and an Instagram account, which is very helpful. But <laughs> do you know the names of the apps? This is very I useful. I think there's this one like Share Style. Yeah book off the uh-huh. top of my head but I think you have to pay like 3 99 for it but yeah you log your whole wardrobe and then but they also give you ideas of how to style stuff you already have um, it's like the share horror dream yet, isn't it it's like mm-hmm. the clueless uh, I mean, that is the dream. digitized wardrobe yeah. um, so I think that's a really great place to start you don't necessarily have to say I'm giving up shopping but it's a good to evaluate what, what you own and how you can use it and another really good thing to do is have a look at who you follow on things like Instagram and maybe filter out the ones that make you want to go to the shops Mm. and add in a few that have clever styling ideas or follow hashtags like OOTD, which is old outfit (laughs) of the day. Um, and oh. it's it's just people doing clever things with stuff that's already in their wardrobe. Yeah. So I think they're, they're, they are two very easy places to start without taking a big leap. Definitely. I would say also um, unsubscribing from all of those mailing lists. Yes. Oh yes. That is a so really many. helpful thing. It took me weeks, it takes actually. Ages, it's they like still whack-a-mole. Through, they? Every yeah. time you think you've done them all, another one pops up. Yeah. And we are just being subliminally sold to all the time without even realising. Oh, yeah. So that, yeah, that makes a big difference, I think. Um and yeah, I mean, I've been saying to people, if they're not prepared to do a sort of no buying challenge, try, you know, like I was saying earlier, always look for secondhand before you buy anything new, asking, you know, friends and family, that kind of thing. And also maybe try and um, turn your focus onto the clothes already in your wardrobe. So, mm. you know, challenge yourself to wear maybe a different outfit every day from the clothes you already own for a month, something like that. So we're not saying you can't buy new, but make wearing clothes you already have in your wardrobe the focus instead. Um, and then rental. I know we were talking about mm. about right, this. As I well. want to talk about mm, rental yeah. because <laughs> I I have glanced at a few rental sites, kind of well, with half a mind to maybe at some point in the future I have to, yeah. I have to go to some fancy thing. I have to go to award shows sometimes. Yeah. Things like that. I thought oh, it might be fun to rent something. Um, and I've been pretty disappointed with what's on offer, but actually I love the principle of it. Mm-hmm. So can you yeah. talk to us about what that looks like? Because they seem to be sprouting up all over the place. Yeah, and there, is, there are different types, aren't there? So there are the peer-to-peer rental platforms, which is where so you're, I can you're rent literally, your but yeah, yeah. literally like Airbnb borrowing. for clothes. But obviously if you're signing up to that and you're also being someone who rents clothes, there's a fair amount of admin that's going to be involved. Yeah, so it really depends how invested stressful. you are and how much you enjoy it. And mm. personally, that that kind of platform isn't so much for me but I use one called on loan where you pay a monthly subscription and you can have varying levels of it you can pause it so maybe you just want it active during wedding season and Christmas and that kind Mm. of thing 
and uh, you get sent the items to keep for a month. So you can you can wear them quite and, a lot. And what over that time. level of quality are we talking? What kinds of clothes? Alexa Chung, that kind of thing. That nice mid range, really good quality. Um, and, and quite a lot of nice, vibrant pieces as well. And they what's that one called for anyone listening? On loan. On loan. Then, and the, the, but the really nice thing about the peer-to-peer ones is that they obviously, because it's real people mm. just renting out their own wardrobes, you can A, you can look for somebody specific whose style that you really like and admire, and B, there's a, a much bigger range of sizes available, which um, yeah. at the moment that, that isn't the, the case with online. They go up to, I think, a 16. But yeah. um, And that is obviously a big problem across all of these sustainable fashion conversations is that sizing does tend to get ignored a little bit, brushed onto mm. the carpet, and, you know, we can't ignore the fact it is harder to buy second hand if you're looking for plus size you certainly know it vintage. is certainly vintage, vintage. Yeah. It's so and tiny. it's I, it's really tricky because i never want to put across a message that if you're plus size you are excluded from this because that isn't true and there actually is there is plus size vintage out there but of course there isn't as much of it and it is harder so i think you know people should never feel terrible if they kind of want to buy second hand and just can't um and yeah it's the same with with rental as well mm. Unfortunately, a lot of these businesses do tend to start very much in that slightly high fashion kind of realm where everything is a little bit bit pricier and, you know, sizing is really limited. But then what we are seeing now is this kind of brilliant sort of expanding effect where there are more and more of these models popping up and they will have their own USP. And so, mm. yeah, like you were saying with the, the peer-to-peer stuff, it means actually you could borrow someone's Zara dress who lives around the corner. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to mean paying £80 to rent a Rixo dress for a weekend. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to see more and more of that. And there I think are that's absolutely really good. loads of them, though, aren't there? Oh, so I mean, many. At least by by Rotation, 12, Rotaro, um, Her Collective mm. is a good one. Um, the oh, new wardrobe? The new wardrobe, yep. I'm actually signed so up to that. So it's essentially it a huge cooperative of clothing. So yeah. you, you you borrow and trade clothing and then you return it or you it goes around it. the houses? It's kind of, I think most of them are location-based. So it would just be, um, yeah, you would meet up with somebody in a public place, you know, get their dress, borrow it for a week or a weekend or a month or whatever you've arranged. Um, I think some of them are free and some of them you would maybe pay that person a fee. Mm. So I think that varies. Um, and then at the end you give it back. And there are different arrangements, I think, about cleaning as well. So yeah, the one I use, all the cleaning, all the repairs, unless something really drastic has happened, is included in your subscription fee. And you also you get a code that you can share with other people, which means you'll get a discount off of your next uh, month it's a bit like bulb you know you, you get your, your referral yeah. code and all of that um can so i ask what happens if things arrive and you just don't like the way they look or fit are you allowed to send them back i haven't had that happen yet okay i did have a, a jacket this month that was a little bit too big but i just sort of you know just, it yeah. had a tie belt and i put some uh, sure. hair elastics over the over oh the yeah i love that so trick that that's a good stuff, trick so. Yeah, because that is, I have to say, I've written a lot about rental and I am very much on board as a sustainable fashion advocate. But personally, I haven't really used it yet because I know how fussy I am about clothes. Yeah. And I just worry that I would pay money to rent a fabulous dress for an event and then it would turn up and it just wouldn't quite fit me right. It wouldn't look the way I wanted it to. Mm. And then I've spent this money. I think that's that's a big for me. It's like when we were talking about like, okay, like going through our wardrobes and like seeing what have we not worn recently. But I think at the beginning of this conversation, Lauren, you mentioned like the way that a certain shirt makes you feel yeah. or I'll look back at a blouse and be like, oh God, I had a really horrible time in that job when I was wearing that blouse all the time and That's I don't want to wear it. Emotional so I think, I think that there is a fair bit, I think it's, it's probably fair to say like, I think the way that we feel about our bodies and how we feel in our bodies and uh, the sort of emotional 
attachment we have to certain items of clothing that we think are going to make us feel and be that girl, yeah. that woman. It's such a um, huge part of it. I think. It's yeah, yeah. I think it, for me, I'm like get a bit ignored as well. Exactly. Uh, it's uh, yeah. So I think it's I think it's a uh, thinking about our bodies, how we feel in our own skin, and then the sort of feeling. Uh, that we take with us when we are shopping and when we are looking for things, I think that there kind of has to be, sorry to use the word mindful, mm. but I think that there kind of has to be a mindfulness around why we are shopping. The why psychological we're compo- yeah. component is absolutely yeah. huge, I think. There was a time in my life many years ago where if I had something to go to in the evening and something I couldn't put my finger on was making me feel a bit anxious, mm-hmm. I would go out in my lunch hour and just buy a new top, say, yeah. in Topshop and think, okay, well, I'll put that on before yeah. I go out, and then I'll be fine. Yeah. Then yeah. I'll feel it's a treat. It's, it's mm-hmm. a treat, but yeah. actually it, it's a coping mechanism. It's a trick. And, a trick. Yeah. and actually the problem was I hate going out and I hate crowds and I hate meeting yeah. new people and small talk and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the issue. Yeah. Not, not that there was anything wrong with the top I was wearing. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And yeah. clothes become this kind of, uh, this band-aid for yeah. so much stuff, I think. And purchasing and feeling like somebody who can afford this and somebody yeah. who has this and somebody who can hold mm-hmm. her own in a group yeah. full of cool women. Being a numbing mechanism, mechanism as well. Absolutely. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's really, really complicated. So yeah, so I just kind of wanted to... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the whole, the that whole conversation is really, really complicated yeah. and nuanced, and has yeah. so many different yeah. levels. And I think that that's, the, I think that's the kind of the important thing. And like when we talk about labels with our own diets, so if you're gluten free or you're vegan or you're vegetarian, I think something that can kind of take the pressure off if you are wanting to make change is you don't have to declare, "I'm not buying anything for yes. a year." No. You don't have to say, "I'm now vegan." It's mm-hmm. like maybe if you want to just do meat free Mondays. Or if you yes, want yeah. to buy, um, okay, I'm going to buy only, uh, I'll buy new underwear. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> and do, I don't know. <laughs> do you actually need two colors in the top? Like, Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, I'll buy my main pieces from secondhand shops. And I'll sp- if I want a new winter coat, I'm going to go to a charity shop. Um, but if I want... You know, if I just need a black T-shirt to wear to this, then okay, then maybe I yeah. go somewhere else. I think it's it has to be start with a balance. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. No, it's absolutely, so and be kind. Be kind to be yourself, kind to yourself, you know, and, and and work out what your priorities are, and perhaps what the areas of this huge issue you're interested in the most and start start with those so maybe it's fabrication maybe you're going to you know go into shops and check all the labels before you buy anything and just avoid polyester or something like that but yeah yeah I think it's just working out what works for you and starting there and then just seeing where it takes Mm. you and how far you can get and knowing that it will look different for for you than it than maybe for your friends and that is fine you know everybody will kind of plow their own furrow with this and if we all just do our little bit then actually that can all kind of add up to quite significant change I think yeah and it is interesting like you were saying um, about having to declare things because I found even just in the writing of this book as soon as you put your head above the parapet on any of these issues you immediately are open to scrutiny on every other area of your life of course Mm -hmm. and I've had people kind of leaving comments on travel articles that I've written in the past saying well you flew didn't you yeah and you know and it's uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I've, 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 <laughs> written, I've written Waiting about perfection. <laughs> I've written about this many times. It actually is the worst thing for me about the internet. We are now at a place where it is much more um, worthy and honourable to do nothing than to exactly. do a little bit yeah. and not do it and to be imperfect and yeah. next y- y- in progress. You, yes, if if you're not perfect, you're nothing, yeah. and actually nothing changes through being perfect or nothing. 
things change in a big way yeah, when yeah. people do something. Do something. Yeah, and it's much better to do something than it is to do nothing and be that tool on the internet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren Bravo, thank you so much. How to Break Out with Fast Fashion is in pretty much every bookshop, I think. It came out last week <gasps> to much acclaim, thank or a few you. days ago. Um, Hannah Rochelle can be found on Instagram as... Yeah. Uh, on Brogue. That's As in On Vogue. Vogue. Uh, <laughs> and uh, on Brogue.com. And on Brogue.com. Yes. Lauren Bravo, where can we find you online? I'm at Lauren Bravo and laurenbravo.co.uk. And Kate Sevier and I will be back in four weeks. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's finish with some prints because that's always worth it. Bye. <laughs>